I was riding around uh, with my son and picking him at school one day. And one day we saw Matt, what I like to call the, uh, the Jeep pickup. I don't know if you've ever seen the Jeep pickup. It used to be called the Comanche. And uh, now I think it's called the, the Gladiator. And I was telling my son today, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe last week, I was telling him, I was like, I believe this is the worst car that has ever been made. Right? <laughs> no, I was saying, just straight up no. Aztec forever. I was just saying, like, the fact, and I guess for everyone that's maybe never seen this, what you have is uh, the front of it is a Jeep, right? So it looks like an American Jeep that you've probably seen many, many times. And it looks like what someone did is they just welded on uh, just a pickup truck to it right so i so in my world it is like it is really a vehicle compromised on every conceivable level like you get nothing good like it looks weird right the front you get all the limitations of a jeep combined with the disadvantages of a pickup with absolutely zero of the advantages of either it looks weird it doesn't have like that cool pickup look or it doesn't have doesn't handle like a jeep it It looks looks extremely long yeah, I mean, it looks it, like a second grader drawing a pickup truck. Right. And so when I saw it, I was like, what is, I was like, this is weird. I think it did this come and go. So it used to be the Comanche. And then that actually was retired. Um, and then what they had, they brought it back recently. So in 2019, it came back as the Gladiator. Because I was like, what? I was like, how can this oh, happen? The gladiator. Oh, uh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I can see you seeing the picture. I was like, how can this happen? Like, how can smart people be like, you know what we need? Because you can see how this happened in the boardroom or in the design room. It was like, well, data shows in the United States, pickup trucks are the number one selling vehicle in the nation. And you're the Jeep people, right? And you're like, well, we got to build a pickup. That is clearly like the NBA strategy but it is the most god-awful looking i have to be honest though, i've never ridden in one i've never ridden in one i don't i don't plan to ever ridden ride in one i never want to see it um but this got me thinking then i was like well this seems like an awful vehicle but then i went back in time i was like now there's another car that's been out of production a long time but you're going to notice that when i say it's the chevrolet el camino which is oh, just the yeah. sedan with basically a pickup truck you know, welded on the back of it. Yeah. So I wanted to pose to you a couple questions. First, have you ever seen a Jeep Gladiator in Australia? Does anyone drive this this kind of vehicle exists in Australia? And maybe it's cool in Australia, but not cool here. Can you report back uh, what's happening yeah. over there? I've never I've never seen one of those. I mean, I I feel like I've probably seen one, but I you know off the top of my head, I, I would have to say no. Um, there's but there are pickups, a... like there are pickups in Australia. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? absolutely, plenty of pickups, Utes. right? Utes. Call what is Utes. it? Call them Utes. Okay, I, I'm not sure I like <laughs> that, but that's I'll leave it to you, to you, all of you down there to figure that out. So, so then I really what I wanted to go here was like, which vehicle is like? Assume there was a modern day El Camino. Yeah. Okay. If I said which vehicle is worse, the Jeep Gladiator or a modern day El Camino? Like, where would you go? Well, there is, I know, I've, I think, I think uh, somebody in the chat pointed out uh, Holden, which is like the local Australian brand. They've got like an El Camino kind of car. They still st- sell in Australia. Oh, it's actually being produced? Well, yeah. Right now? Uh, I don't think, I think Holden stopped manufacturing in Australia like two or three years ago. I'm trying to track down the name, but. Can't understand, can't uh, understand why they would go out of business for that kind of car. I mean, I haven't even seen it. I can't. No, no, they, they, Holden got bought by some other company and they, oh, okay. they moved all manufacturing out of the country, right? So Got it. Australia does not build any cars as far as I know. Um, 
they just import them from other countries. Makes uh, sense. Which makes sense, right? Outsource the um, core competency. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Their core competency is <laughs> digging in the ground. It's like um, they don't have time to build cars. They don't have any room in Sydney to make cars. Where are they going to make it? The Outback? Come on, you know? Yeah. No. Although, um, Subaru Outback, really popular car in the United States. Probably yeah. not popular at all in Australia, I would guess, right? It's like Foster's <laughs> Beard. No one has ever seen one. Does is, is there an Outback? Do they sell Subarus? In, uh... I, think they, I think they have those. Yeah, they definitely have Subarus. But I guess they can't yeah, brand an popular. Outback. They'd be like, that's ridiculous. I, mean, I think they're, I think they're Outbacks. I think, I think it's a good car, but that's you know, my two cents on that. All right, back uh, to this. Yeah. El Camino, Jeep Gladiator. Like, which is better well, i guess however you want to rank it better worse more unusual what you know i'd probably go for the el camino because it is is better because you know you might pass as a sedan you know if, if somebody's not looking the other one they're just like oh my eyes you know because it, it's an eyesore you know the el camino is, has kind of a lower profile you know you might slip by and like you know oh it's like a lincoln town car oh wait 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 that's a bed <laughs> I, I'm with you because I think it's it's sort of quaint and also it's a compromise of two things, a car and a truck, right? I think of that as whereas the Jeep somehow compromise, compromises on three different access, right? It's like kind of like a Jeep itself is kind of a car, but not a car, right? Kind of a truck, but not a truck. But it's cool. A Jeep on its own is cool. Like We all like Jeeps, especially if it's fun if you don't have to drive them every day, just like once in yeah. a while. They're super fun, right? But then... It really is. That is a, comp- a Jeep itself is a compromise. And then you compromise it again. I don't know. It's like we should come up with some mathematical formula here, right? It's like, uh, I don't know, some kind of uh, Metcalfe's law squared, whatever. It gets even worse. Even though it's three things, it's nine times worse than uh, a regular car. But I but I saw it, but I do see them around Austin here. Like, I wouldn't say I see them a lot, but I always, I do want to stop and ask the person. So you could buy anything, you, <laughs> any kind of car that's available in the <laughs> this United is what States. You're- Yes. And, oh, and they're not th- cheap, too. It's not something that's, you know, you would be like, oh, well, it's half the price of a whatever equivalent pickup. It's like, no, it's not. It's not half the price of oh, anything. So, check out this, this sweet car. The Holden Ute, uh, the Hold, Holden crew, Crewman. Um, this is, is the most uh, mullet of, of, uh, of uh, oh, man, <laughs> of El Caminos. Because it looks like a business car, but it's still got the pickup bed. It's uh, um, what business in the front, party in the exactly, back, something like exactly. that. Hauling in the back, maybe we should say the, that. The Holden crewman. <laughs> so yeah, this is a very visual medium, but but the point of the matter is like, yes, they, I'm pretty sure they're still making these kinds of cars in Australia, or at least selling them here. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, well, I'll leave it on this. The moral of the story here is, uh, you know, don't always look at the data to make your decisions alone. Like I don't know. I'm just going to assume that's what happened with the G people. Sometimes it's okay. You're the Jeep people. Just be the Jeep. This episode is brought to you by CBT Nuggets. Are you looking to build your IT skills? Do you want to learn more about IT security, cloud computing, or networking? Then it's time to visit CBT Nuggets. They offer over 350 courses and over 2,000 virtual labs. They have courses available on everything, including AWS, Linux, VMware, and even Salesforce. Best of all, it's available online so you can learn what you want, when you want. CBT Nuggets adds over 40 hours of new training each week, so there's always something new to learn. They also offer accountability coaching, allowing you to speak with a real person who can help you create a personalized learning plan, set goals, and check in to make sure you stay on track. To get started, visit cbtnuggets.com slash sdt. That's C B T. 
nuggets.com slash SDT. There you can sign up for the seven-day free trial, which gets you full access to all their courses. You know, I look through there, and I'm always wanting to learn Python more. And there's a lot of courses there where you can kind of ramp up into it and uh, even do some advanced networking things with Python. Other topics like that, I may go check that out when I'm done recording this. Anyhow, you can start learning today by going to cbtnuggets.com sdt. And of course, we thank them for sponsoring our show. Hey, Matt. Rumor has it that you were not able to officially... Uh, attend KubeCon, but you did attend KubeCon virtually and run a virtual booth. Can you confirm or deny this information? Uh, that is correct. I was I was still locked down here in Australia. Uh, did not make the the journey to Los Angeles, so I was uh, manning the virtual booth at KubeCon. All right. Normally, managing a virtual booth, I'm I'm, I'm just going to leave it at this saying: not always the greatest thing to pull on the trade show schedule. It's not <laughs> usually it's not usually the first thing that goes off uh, the draft. Like if you're drafting things, you're like, no one's like, yeah, I'll take the virtual booth. That's usually kind of like you get assigned, but you, I don't know. I want to be an open mind. Let's go with an open mind. How was the virtual booth this year? Was well, it good, bad? What uh, happened? Uh, uh, unlike, unlike working, you know, the actual booth, your, your feet aren't sore at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> you're very that, relaxed. That, you got something. You're, you're not going to catch a cold from shaking hands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you got that going for you. Um, Mostly, uh, the virtual booth was manned by uh, me and uh, the Europeans because you know none of us could go to the U.S. So <laughs> right, right. you know they, they got the morning shift, and I got the afternoon. Okay. Um, you know it's uh, it's kind of relaxing. You know you just keep that browser open in the other window and you uh, continue with your other work. You watch other KubeCon sessions. You know I, I caught up on, on quite a few sessions. That was uh, some good watching. So. What was the traffic like? Were people in and out a little bit? Did they come in and ask questions or was it just, you know, kind of a, the typical low traffic? Kind of task? It was pretty low traffic. I mean, honestly, um, I think we got, uh, we got about 50% um, more traffic in the virtual booth than we got in the physical booth. And 50% that's more, more traffic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Okay, but you but you're but you're kind of uh, you're doing the the numbers game there. You're not giving absolute numbers. That does that just mean that there was attendance was low or like what? Yeah, I mean, I read the, into that. The 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 quality of leads at the physical booth were actually pretty good. Um, okay, yeah. You know, so so that that was considered the, the marketing folks said traffic foot traffic was down from previous coupons. Makes sense, right? You know, of course it had to be right. Yeah, yeah, it had to be up. Um, and you know the virtual booth was pretty quiet right the you know it was a lot of you know, you see people check into your booth and you message them like hey you know welcome to uh trigger mesh how can i help you and then you know crickets and then they you know they click to a different tab and they're out of the booth right you never actually saw them or you know so i, I had some good interactions I, I did some office hours office hours were actually pretty good you know that was good you got some people coming in asking questions um so that that part was good i think i saw they're not going to do virtual booths next KubeCon yeah, well, let's hope not. Valencia. Next year we'll be back to, to normal. Like everyone yeah, I think can, March uh, is uh, KubeCon Europe. Okay. So um, we'll fingers send crossed Kote. I might be there. Yeah. All right, we'll send Kote to that one. If not if not you and Kote, we'll send Kote and we'll have him do a full full trip report of like what a real event looks like. Because really, this is the year, you know, as we always talk about, like sort of like it's rather to be lucky than good. It's like, well, if you were the Zoom growth marketer last year, you need to retire and the, the growth marketer for Zoom is getting fired next year because year over year will be, will be awful. But maybe this would be the year to kind of be like the events person. And then next year would be like, 
look at this year over year growth. I mean, I've got 10 times the foot traffic at KubeCon, right? It's going to be huge. Uh, Well, there was a little news. I mean, there's actually a lot of news around KubeCon, but like the news I think we want to hone in on is something near and dear to your heart. Hopefully you're in the know on this announcement. If not, it it may have a a career (laughs) limiting uh, uh, discussion for you, but we know Trigger Mesh made some big announcements. So why don't you break it down for us, Matt? What was the big announcement from Trigger Mesh? And for our purposes, the biggest announcement at KubeCon was this. What is it? Tell us. <laughs> yes. Take that, uh, all other announcements. Um, no, we we announced that uh, Trigger Mesh uh, was, is going open source. So we, we <clears throat> so Trigger Mesh is, uh, you know, a, maybe two, two and a half years old, three years old, and kind of started in the serverless space and, and pivoted towards more of the event-driven stuff on top of Knative. Um, and we've been open sourcing some stuff here and there, you know, opportunistically, but never really wholeheartedly embraced it. And so, um, you know, given my, my uh, previous experience with other uh, companies doing open source, um, you know, we, we made the, the, decision that, you know, we are building on top of open source. We're all big open source believers. So uh, we pulled the trigger and, and released uh, Trigger Mesh, Trigger Mesh, Trigger Mesh. It's our GitHub project and uh, it's all of our core APIs uh, that kind of make up what what the Trigger Mesh uh, platform is. You know, it's, it's APIs for connecting, you know, sources to targets and, uh, conv- you know, doing transformations and all sorts of stuff to your events in between. And so that's what we open sourced. Okay. So this is, this is the whole thing. I can basically go into Git, pull it all down and be up and running. Any limitations? Can I, can I use the full thing? Like what, what do I it's, need to know? What are, what are the, uh, the, the secret things that either aren't available or are available? Like, you know, give us the inside. <laughs> um, so it's, it's all Apache. Uh, licensed, so it's Apache V two. What you didn't code. like? Just come up and write your own license, and make it up. I can't believe no, it. That's you, unheard you'd be, of. You'd be surprised. I actually, uh, you know, internally went through and evaluated, you know, all the other license shenanigans. You know, the, right. the PSLs, the shared sources, the creative, you know, the commons. You know, all the things other people tried. And you know, at the end of the day, Trigger Mesh is built on top of Knative, and Knative has a lot of contributors, and um, if if Kate, if if we try to build something closed source on top of an open source product, you know, if we have something good, people just re-implement it. <laughs> I mean, you know, literally, we're you know we're swimming with whales, and uh, yeah, we we want to uh, you know stay competitive. So you know, the the fact of the matter is, we are you know we're part of the Knative community, and we wanted to give back. Good. All right. Good. Because you know, if if you had announced the Trigger Mesh open source community license, I'd be like, may have to kick you off this podcast. I don't know. Like that. That's you know, we don't like that. We don't like the uh, the the fake uh, made up uh, open source licenses. It's just uh, you know enough enough for that. So good. Glad you didn't do that because we can still be friends. That's important. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You know that works for some people. Some people can can do their. Mm, you're very diplomatic, and I understand I, your situation. And I'll hey, just let. I'm going to let that pass. I'm just going to let it go on out the there. Show. That's right. I'm just going <laughs> to let that go on and let it sit out there, and we'll let that go. All right. So we can get it now. Everyone can get it. It's on GitHub. That's fantastic. It's great. But you know, I have to ask this question. This is my like uh, requirement to ask all, all companies this question. So, uh, how does Trigger Mesh make money? 
<laughs> we make it up in volume. No, volume. perfect, perfect. Maybe it doesn't matter anymore. Maybe, wait, wait, maybe wait, wait. if you just answered NFT, I'd be like, checkmate. I don't know. Bitcoin's up like a million percent. You win. But go ahead, yep. but tell us the truth. Like, what's really going on? Uh, so we are obviously we're going to offer uh, paid support uh, for the open source product. Um, you know, professional services and uh, that kind of stuff. Um, we do have a enterprise offering uh, that is what was previously our hosted offering. Um, so, you know, it has, uh, you know, we, we will run your, um, your Knative infrastructure for you, your, you know, uh, host hosted Kubernetes kind of stuff. Uh, we'll deploy that on premises. Um, you know, we, uh, we offer paid support for Knative, um, you know, and, and the enterprise level offerings. So if you need to make, you know, event-driven architectures or, you know, this uh, plumbing of, of, of your uh, uh, integrations, if you need to make that business critical, you know, we want to support you and, uh, you know, open source as much of it along the way as we can. All right, good. All right, so nobody needs to now start, go out there and rewriting a whole nother set of connectors to, you know, connect multiple services together. They should not do that, right? They should just go out to GitHub, download Trigger Mesh, get it running, and they'll have a really good start, right? That's, is, am I right? Is that the message here? Yeah. Is that what you want people yeah, to yeah, do? Yeah, yeah, Okay. Put it in production. If, if you're if you're doing eventing with Knative, you know, check us do out. Do it that uh, way. And then if you need extra help or you want to, you know, support and all the things Matt said, then they should call you, right? I mean, that's it. It's really simple. It's yeah, not complicated sure. here, right? That's and we it. don't and know also too, for all the product people out there and everyone's like, hey, it's this the standard Apache license. So like everyone's approved that one. It's all good. Don't have to like, because you know, Back back to your thing. I know you're very diplomatic, but like you see the new license, be like, this is going to have to go to the lawyers. It's going to be a long time coming. <laughs> so you don't have to do that. It's already yeah. on the approved list. If it's not yeah. on the approved list, I'm not sure what your legal team is doing. That's a no, no. We we still have the the trademark enforcement, right? Okay. So, you know, you you can't you can't call your product trigger mesh. Um, <laughs> you know, you you uh, you can't ship our stuff and call it something else. But other than that, yeah. Right. So um, it's the whole thing. The page out of uh, your your friend former uh founder was adam adam jacob right that's his uh exactly his, his uh way of doing it. all right well good well uh, and then finally and the little we'll we'll finish up our trigger mesh commercial here i'll just be like give us what like what is serviceful like that seems to be the new thing like explain what that means to to all of us like what well, why do we want to be serviceful uh this is just part of you know you want to transition to um as few you know long-lived instances as you can i mean it's it's serverless it's serviceful you know we, we want things to be thought of as services not as vms not as you know containers um and some of it some of it will be you know services some of it will be functions but that's that's where we want people to to think yeah all right well that's it that's the entire kubecom that's the only thing i think anyone needs to know did anything else even happen there that was probably the entire conference right like I've heard everything. I know everything that actually happened there. There, there, were, there, there was a lot of other good things. Uh, <laughs> let's, touch, let's touch on one that I think is close, uh, close to this. Is, uh, uh, Cockroach Labs announces uh, Cockroach DB serverless. So I thought, you know, love to get your take on, like, what do you think about this? And then, uh, Matt, just data, serverless databases in general. I don't know. It's probably something you're seeing more of than anyone. Like, just what's going on in this world? What should we know about this? Uh, I mean, serverless databases are... Uh, essentially, you don't need to have long-lived connections. Um, you generally are thinking about them as uh, 
you know, a, a service that is uh, managed for you. So you know, if you start getting into the weeds on like um, RDS or, you know, some of the, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll just stick with the AWS because everyone knows that. Um, the AWS databases, some of them you actually specify, hey, I want to have, you know, three instances of the database running so they can handle replication and schedule your backups. And, you know, it's still, you still need to be a bit of a DBA to manage it. You know, not, not a real DBA, but, you know, like me. Um, <laughs> I only play a DBA in, yeah, yeah. on TV. You know, Go you on. read some stuff on, on uh, yeah, on, <laughs> on Twitter and, and paste it in and, and you know, you're a DBA. Um, but but the, the serverless is trying to take even more off your hands and say, like, look, don't even think about it. Um, you know, you, you have a, a token or something. You connect to this. You push some data into it. We're handling even more of it. Uh, so, you know, the database administration falls away. But also um, the, the way you interact with them is, is even, you know, more ephemeral. You know, um, and, and so it, it makes sense to have things like, you know, serverless applications, you know, whether they're running Lambda or, or you know, or something else, uh, connecting to this, making a call and then, you know, going on their way. So, um, you know, there are other players in the space. Obviously, uh, you know, um, AWS has, uh, they have some serverless offerings. Um, Cockroach <laughs> just uh, has just a few. Just a few, <laughs> yeah. Um, most most of the cloud providers, uh, I'm sure when I say most, uh, probably all of them have serverless databases. Um, and then uh, I think there's another company called Fauna that uh, I heard about, uh, you know, that is doing something similar. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's a thing. And, you know, if, if I was running a database, it's probably what I would want to use. Right. I What's think, the simpler, right? I mean, the bottom it's, it's line is it, if you can do it, I mean, if, if you know, either Greenfield or your applications are set up such that you can take advantage of this, like all this stuff, it's, it's just a lot simpler. So, um, but before we completely get away from QCon, you mentioned you went to some sessions. You're always, you're always good for maybe, maybe an under the radar session or just like something interesting. Like, did you see anything? specific that popped out to you that maybe isn't well covered in the press? Was there a specific session we should all go watch? Any, any insider tips on uh, <laughs> well, good videos the, the, the or just something was... that was really funny. That's also helpful. <laughs> that you're willing uh, to share. I guess I should have said no, that you're no, willing so to the, share. The, 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 the problem was the problem was the virtual sessions, maybe 20% of the sessions were available online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I guess the other sessions were recorded and they'll make them eventually available, but like the sessions I, you know, so I didn't have a ton of selection for the things that I was able to watch. Um, you know, I watched, uh, I watched some stuff on cloud events. Um, I watched a, uh, K3S on Raspberry Pi session. At, at <laughs> there, it is. there it is. You know was Answer. There it was. I was just, there was. I was just waiting for it. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that I one was, it. was pretty good. Uh, All right. Well, is it, is it available? We should put a link if there, it's available. We'll put a link in the show notes. Cause that seems to be, uh, just fantastic. So, well, the other announcement I, I wanted to throw out that I, I saw, um, I don't know if you saw this, but did you see that there's going to be a Kubernetes documentary? Have you not seen this? Ooh. That Chris, uh, Chris, a, he put this out there and I guess there's going to be some kind of documentary. So I, I'm I'm fascinated. I let let's just say for sure, whatever it is, it will be. We will do our first long term uh, movie review of this. So <laughs> I'm excited for it. Uh, 
I, I don't even know what it says. It says, our upcoming documentary tells the story of Kubernetes and how it came out on top. Stay tuned. I'm all in. That's like, I mean, some people want to see Dune, the new Matrix. This is it for us. We're getting a Kubernetes documentary. <laughs> Can I all see Dune first? In. All in. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by StrongDM. Are you still using SSH keys, RDP logins, and database credentials? Well, it's time to access your infrastructure like it's no longer 1999. StrongDM is the only modern infrastructure access platform. It creates a seamless, secure, and observable air gap between your staff and the critical infrastructure that powers your company. With StrongDM, you can instantly revoke access to every database, Kubernetes cluster, or server with just a click. Automatically log every query, SSH, and kubectl command to know who did what, when, and where across your stack. Eliminate credentials from end-user workflows to deploy access that's zero trust and least privileged by default. Trusted by your peers at Peloton, SoFi, Yext, and Chime, StrongDM is the only way to deploy secure access controls in a way folks love to use. But who believes in ad? Check out StrongDM for yourself with a no BS demo. Sign up at strongdm.com slash SDT. That's strongdm.com slash SDT. And of course, we thank StrongDM for sponsoring our show. Well, Matt, you were just uh, rebooting one of your browsers because uh, it had consumed too much CPU. But fear not, the new Macs are here after mm. the long wait. And I feel like, you know, we are the number one uh, Mac review podcast in the world, as everyone knows. So I feel like, you know, everyone's going to tune in for our take on it. And so, of course, there were the new chips, the memory, the GPU, chips. all of that <laughs> is great. But listen, I want to start with kind of what we talked about last week. This to me is kind of the return to enterprise product marketing, right? At some point, you got to give the people what you want. So yeah. we talked about it last week. I said it, you always have to add export data. Export data is always the feature that you take away, but it comes back and it needs to come back better than ever. And, and so what I'm going to say is the SD card was the return of export data as, as oh man widely discussed right no no so, the sd card is the most worthless thing no no matt you didn't listen listen they we okay. talked about you last week and we even I said know, you I, were the I, I one listened. that made the suggestion right that the sd card you can get the form factor where you just oh, need yeah, extra yeah. memory right and it's sort of like it acts as a little hard drive for you Yes. So you don't because you can't upgrade your hard drive very easily, right? So you just right. stick it in there, and that's you, you made that suggestion probably going on. I don't know how long we did this podcast Four a long time ago, ago yeah, right? Yeah. And it's like yeah. that was great. I've done that. I think it's fantastic. So that's yeah, a great are, use of dope. it. And yeah. so that's a great. And again, like that's back to like an edge case. You know, of course, people don't want it. And then of course, you forget all the people that have the Canon cameras and the beautiful Nikon's, and they're taking all these great pictures. So it doesn't matter that most people don't want it. The people in the enterprise, in this case, I'm going to call it, or audio like us, like we do some audio stuff. If you, yeah. if you had to record this, so it's great. So I just call that, I'm just putting it on the shelf of like, that, my friends, is export data. Now, the next most important announcement in the enterprise release of the MacBook is clearly the HDMI port, right? HDMI <laughs> yeah. port is back after however long it's been gone. And I'm going to say this is like adding Active Directory support right? Because no one really wants to do it. Everyone has a better way of doing it. So like there are numerous better ways to connect to displays now. Display port, USB-C, the list goes on and on and on, right? 
But at the end of the day, we have to all interact with what actually exists in our environment. So just give mm -hmm. me an HDMI port. And then they came out that it's only 60 hertz, but you know what? I'm fine with that. Just give me an HDMI port. That works. Just like integrating with Active Directory. Yes, I know there are better ways, but the HDMI port is back. That's your integration with Active Directory. And now if it was really enterprise, it would be VGA. <laughs> True, but it is as close as we're going to get. Like the VGA port just won't fit on the side. There's just no way I, to get there, right? I think I think I was carrying a, I, I still have a VGA cable uh, to uh, USB-C in my, in my uh, laptop bag. Oh, you know, just oh, because when I was visiting I customers, everything. yeah. Oh yeah, I had everything. I had everything. Um, I mean, I when you travel to a point, like I should bring it. I should take a picture of it. Like, I got. I mean, I feel like I got so many different dongles, and I mean, it's yeah. like an entire bag of them at this point. Like I don't even know what's in there. So okay, that's back to Active Directory, right? Yep. And the last one, I couldn't really. I wasn't totally sure, like really where it fits in, but I'm going to call it kind of like your your disaster recovery. It's like you know, there's a lot of ways to power laptops, but at some point, I just need some AC power just need the old AC powered. So they just dust it off MagSafe. They're like, all right, you're back in. You're back on there because sometimes USB-C, it's just not going to work. And then, so I did just some reading. So I guess I did learn that like, what seems like the reason they added this was for the MacBook Pro 16 inch that it just did not support enough power over USB-C to get to 140 watts. So that seems wow. to be why they did that. They had to okay. get to 140 watts. And the only way to do that was to add an AC adapter. So I guess it's just like being in the data center. It's like, well, we just got to have a disaster recovery. It's like sometimes we need actual AC power that has no other software craziness involved. We can't apply, uh, um depend on USB-C and things like that. So I, I'm calling this, like, to me, this is this is the enterprise Mac Pro release, Damn. MacBook release. It's like, this is all we've ever dreamed of, I think, in the enterprise world. So I could it be happier. And the return of the function keys, right? Nothing says enterprise more than oh, a function key. Absolutely. I mean, I never used the touch bar, so I never actually used it to hate it. I just, like, saw people that explained to me how much they hated it. But, like, yeah, so the fact that that's long gone. I mean, like, I don't know, it just sort of, like, we can pretend it never happened. That's what I liked about Apple. They they mentioned it one time. They did say something like, "In the function keys, uh, <laughs> in the function keys, replace the the touch bar," and then they just went right onto it. But it's like you know, you look at that, and that's like that's five years of effort. And think about all the engineering time and hours and design and just yep. software that has just been like completely thrown out. So. I, I do think the whole release of this MacBook is just another great example of like nobody knows anything. Like here, Apple is the most valuable company in the world. The things that we are that I'm we've talked about so far all existed on the MacBook 2015, right? Everything was there, right? So they basically took all this stuff at out, they added it back, and we're all extremely happy about it. So I don't know. Sometimes it's like you just like you just give the people what they want. And I think in this case, that's what Apple did. Well, and, and it wasn't really surprising. I mean, the I've got the M1 MacBook Air and it's got all those things, right? They they got rid of the touchpad. You know, I've got the function keys. It doesn't have MagSafe. It's USB-C, which, you know, I guess it's a less heavy duty laptop. So, uh, you know, it's plenty, plenty of power. Um, no HDMI. But uh, it's the air, so it's it's just got the two USB Cs. Uh, but uh, I'm pretty happy. Well, give with us it, your so. review. So the only limitation, so you lack some of the ports, of course, on the air, and that's yeah, clearly that obvious. Makes sense, right? But you know, but you kind of know going in. The one limitation that I am a little unclear about on the air was 
by default, it only supports one external display. But then I've read that there are drivers you can apply to actually get multiple displays. So I don't know if that's a software thing, a hardware thing, because it seems like the chip itself, right, is more than powerful enough, or the, all these uh, GPUs in there, right? Uh, GPU cores rather in there. Like, so I don't, I don't know. Like, can you, can you report back from the field here? Like, can I, can I have two monitors with my MacBook <laughs> um, Air or like, what do I have to do here? I, you know, I, I, I have not tried plugging in a third screen. I, you know, I'm using my, my laptop open and the, right. the 32 inch in front of me. I think, I think the reason, <clears throat> I think that they're not supporting two displays because they can't run two at, you know, 4k or something like that. So, you know, I think there's shenanigans or whatever. You could probably run like two 1080p's or something. Um, but yeah, I think that's the limitation. Um, you know, I'm, I'm <clears throat> I still really like this laptop, but I get flickering at 60 hertz in 4K, and I don't know if it's my cord, which is what Apple tends to blame, or you know, the video uh, driver that other people sit, tend to blame. Um, but, uh, anyway, but did you pay like the $50 for like the three foot or like the one foot USB C cable or the Thunderbird Thunderbolt cable? If it was 50, I would, but it's probably 150. I don't know. I, I bought, I, so I went through, uh, three different HDMI cables until I landed on like, you know, the USB C to HDMI that supports, you know, 120 Hertz or something. And I'm just trying to run it at 60. Right. Um, you know, it, it works, but I still get the occasional flicker and I don't know why. Hmm. Um, and of course my, my windows machine just, you know, drives it. No problems. Hmm. Um, so anyway, but other than that, we um, need it though. Hey, tell me this, like just for office work, this 120 Hertz, like, do, do, oh, no, no, no. Do I, does it really, am I missing out? Like, am I, is it really a big deal? Like day to day? No, I, and I, I don't, I don't think I, I think the only reason I'm running 60 Hertz is because I can. Um, I don't really. <laughs> yeah, I was running. You 30... run, what net uh, resolution is? So it, I know it's 4K, but like, is that what your, is that what you like your work space is the native 4K resolution? Because I feel like that even no, gets I, little, I it a little small. It, it was too small. Uh, I'm using uh, 20, uh, 1440. Yeah. 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 I'm using 1440 and it's, it's fine. Well, this um, is truly the the old man way out of it. It's like, well, I just have these displays that are just the Max is 1440. So it's fine. It works great. It's like, it's just, because I can't, like, I find if it goes any lower than that, like, sure, like, like the 5K, I guess, retina displays, they look great and I get it, but I'm always just like, yeah, it doesn't matter that much to me. But, I, but also, I don't think I see that great. Like, I think it's just one of those things, like, if your vision gets to a certain point, you're like, hmm, it's maybe not that great. <laughs> if, you, if you got bad eyesight like me. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, so... So that's that was the main thing. And then the other thing that I thought was really interesting, sort of not part of the announcement, was did you upgrade to the new Safari? Did you let uh have you even played with it yet, Mac? I, I did, and then I was like, oh, that's annoying, but I, I'm well if I'm you're not using it. the Mac no, I'm OS, still using it, but yeah. No, no, here, because the Mac OS Monterey release candidate undoes Safari changes and it reintroduces <laughs> the old tabs. So don't worry, like even if you I was prepared to hate it, right? I was absolutely prepared to hate it. But I was like, yeah, you know, I think it's fine. Actually, it hasn't been a real problem. I wouldn't say there's anything good about it, though. This, this is kind of back to this thing about, like, why did they make these changes? I have no idea, right? You're just like, I don't, maybe some design person could sit down and, like, actually spend some time. Because the stuff on 
the iPhone. I get where they're at least trying to like make the address bars closer to the keyboard. I don't know. You know, you can kind of debate whether that's good or bad, but like there seem to be some like some logical reasons. Like all of the Safari changes seem to be like I have it's just different. It's not that we can't get used to it. It's just like why? What 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 is better about it? So um so I thought that was another like sign of like a pretty mature company to like get all the way through. I mean, really, as far as I know, that was the last release candidate, right? Or the last thing that he did. And they actually pulled it back, right? You have to think there were some serious fights inside Apple about that. Like there had to be a team of people who were pissed. Like, can you imagine working on this for upwards of a year only to have it taken out? Oh, I, I don't know. I, w- I think that would have been a very difficult decision. So at least you at least you weren't like the lead for the touch bar team. <laughs> yeah, I think that person just left. They're like, we don't need your help anymore here. We're uh, like, that's it. I'm going to Magic Leap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they want to go there. That's a good thing. Well, the other thing, friend of the show, Michael O'Neill pointed out. Um, he he pointed this to Twitter. It's great. It's uh, Apple innovators do it again with the $19 polishing cloth. So I don't know if you've yeah. just seen the 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 web page because it's completely serious. I mean, the web page on Apple oh, yeah. is it's 100 serious, but it is. It is about, uh, and then of course, when they show the supported platforms for the polishing cloth, I mean, it's just like, you think it's a parody, but it's not a parody because it's like, I mean, it is just unbelievable. That is, that's maybe one of the funniest things I've ever seen because the polishing cloth, believe it or not, supports just about everything. So it goes on and on and on. I want to know what's not supported. Yeah, well, that's what I think is funny too, because someone in the content management system is like, well, we got, it's a product. We got to have supported platforms. So like, it's a cloth. Like you can see that argument going on. It's like, doesn't matter. Everything that goes up there has to have support a platform. He's like, all right. Some the, the person's like, all right, here, I'm about to send you the entire list of products <laughs> Apple has ever conceivably created. You're so, like, can I polish that boombox speaker set we used to sell? Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. That's right. That's right. All the things have been deprecated. Um, that was funny. Too. Well, I guess we should talk about a little bit I, about the chips. I don't know what to say about them other than they're awesome, right? Like, yeah, what else? They are awesome. It, I yeah. mean, it's. Uh, it's essentially the completion of uh, the world has moved from, I guess, just faster chips now to really it's faster chips by energy use, right? Power. Oh, I guess it's yeah. uh, power per watt, right? Uh, or cycles but per they, watt. But they so, cross both lines, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, that's just these graphs they showed. And some people kind of dug into them a little bit and they kind of showed that obviously, not surprisingly, they picked the use cases that were most advantageous to them. But it doesn't matter. Like, no matter what they pick, you basically see every graph that they showed. And they showed a lot of them, to be honest, was so significantly better. It was like, yep, way better. Yep, way better. Yep, way better. So um, it's like, it's so good. There's like almost nothing to talk about. You're like, uh, and I, 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 I don't even know what to say because it's like, I guess maybe the biggest question for me was just like, well, because um, I never really think of myself as like a quote pro. Like I always think of like a pro Apple user is like, I spend 20 hours a day editing 8K video for like movies that don't even exist, right? That's like the person I envision <laughs> of, uh, that like that's the person exist. that can like take advantage of all of this stuff. I'm like, well, I've got a lot of different browsers going, some PowerPoint, occasionally I'll fire up and like right, you know, so, make so, an app, so, but like yeah. nothing is like, and also to the GPUs, I'm like, I don't even know. Like I don't have monitors. Like I, I don't know, like at what point, like eight GPUs, 10 or the cores, right? Eight cores, mm-hmm. 10 cores. And then it got up to like, but at 16 or 20, I was like, I don't like, at what point am I like already triple capacity of what I could possibly use? 
Um, exactly. That was a hard to figure out. Like, like how much wasted money would I have if I bought one of these? I guess that's my my main question. Well, and, and that's that's been my feeling. I, I mean, this is going to sound super sacrilegious, but I think about the last 10 years, maybe more, 15 years, uh, it's been the point of diminishing returns for most CPUs. And, you know, except the only exceptions, of course, are like raw rendering and, you know, AAA games, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, running VMs and stuff. But like, if you put my laptop from, you know, 2006 in my lap and I'm surfing the web and typing into, you know, Dropbox or whatever, it's not that different. And so, you know, the, to me, like switching to this M1, it was like, I briefly noticed it was faster. And then I just went back to business as usual. And, you know, the, 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 the real advantage here is there's no fan on this thing. I, I think the, <laughs> I think the, the new pros might have fans or something, but like, you know, the fan never, co- it doesn't have a fan. That's how like fast and cold, you know, you know, uh, efficient it runs. That's, that's a big change, but like the speed, yeah, it's super fast. I don't notice things slowing down. I think the last time I noticed a big jump in speed was when I went from physical disk to SSDs. Right. That was All right, like what about last. this? This is, I've been, uh, I'm on this Mac mini. I got a while back. I like it. It's 2018 Mac mini. Now the place I, I feel like I really over provisioned, right. Was I got 32 gigs of Ram. Right. Yep. And so my only <laughs> message, and lo- I mean, I don't really think I need it, but like, you know, it's like, the question is always like, what can I get with 16? So this is part, like, I don't know. There probably is a utility. And I'd like a listener to probably recommend this. Like, I really need someone, something tracking my RAM usage, like, over time for, like, a month, right? Like, to show what it is. But my mission, and I'm like, you know, you've thought about this a lot, I'm sure. It's like, my mission is always just, like, zero swapping. That's what I want. I just want enough RAM. I want zero swapping, right? And maybe that's a little... Maybe I should rethink that to your point about SSDs and stuff like that. But that's what's always what I'm thinking. So when I just kind of spot check it where I'm like, oh, I got a lot of stuff going. So I'll just crank up the uh, whatever the inspector on Matt to, on the Mac, right, to see what I'm doing. Um, like I'll be like, oh, 16, 17. So I'm not really, you know, occasionally I maybe get to 20. So I'm not really getting close to it. And of course, I don't really understand at this point how the Mac operating system is making use of the RAM. And like maybe if I had less RAM, it would be smarter and all this other stuff. But that's my question for you because now the MacBook Air only it maxes out at 16, right? Yeah, so have yeah, you yeah. have you had any feelings where you're like, I really I really do wish I had 32. I don't because no, I'm, 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 I'm looking I'm right seeing now. some swap files. Yeah, I'm looking right now and I I am a little disturbed at how much memory some of these things are using. Um, like I've got a, <laughs> a key remapping the first thing that you do when you start looking at your ram you're like that's sloppy programming that's the first exactly. thing you notice. and you you're, like, you're like what why is this like dropbox unbelievable oh, like always, dropbox, always. dropbox we have a box. whole segment on them what is going on in dropbox like 120 threads like i have i'm not doing anything with dropbox but anyway putting that aside we're not going to re-architect all the software that's a that's a mission for another day let's just get hardware that gets us higher so i mean so you're, you're I mean, saying you seriously. haven't felt it no, I haven't. I haven't. Okay. It's 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 plenty fast. Um, yeah, it, it it's faster than my Intel MacBook. It replaced, but uh, you know that and that was a Pro, but that had 16 gigs, and it was you know a 2017. Um, you know it it's it's plenty fast. It's quiet. I love it. Uh, no complaints. All right. Well, great. I think that's our uh, our mission. So. 
we'll just leave it at there. Like, congratulations to Apple on uh, the the return of the Enterprise Mac is what I'm going to call it. it. I I like everything. I haven't obviously touched any of them. I haven't actually used it, but uh, hopefully in the coming months, some people will use it and tell us like, yeah, it works out well. And hopefully, price, price is expensive. And also, I guess the other thing is, if it would be cool if there were some AAA games that were on a Mac to just see how it takes advantage of all of this, all these GPU cores, because uh, like, I don't I mean, know. They, I don't they, do they any probably, Adobe. Yeah. They're probably there. And, and I've looked at like benchmarks for, um, you know, uh, AMD and Intel have, you know, full uh, video, uh, video support in some of their processors. So you can get like, you know, an all in one system that just has, you know, uh, an AMD Ryzen 5700G or something like that. And like when they benchmark them against most video cards, they still get smacked, right? So they're they're fine for 2D for, you know, using uh, as a desktop. But when it gets into gaming, like, you know, dis- discrete GPUs are still such, such an advantage. All right. Well, Apple, hurry up, get it done. You know, we want the AAA games. We so the otherwise, we all have to just buy windows PCs, which is, you know, it seems like all the, all just the people in, in just the black, right. Seem to all, everyone has seemed to bought one. So, um, in the coming show, I'm going to like, I'm going to solicit everyone's review of like, okay, what, what kind of gaming uh, computer should I get like a teenager or uh, I guess a preteen that's actually getting into it. Cause, uh, I think I've, I've taken, um, <laughs> this little desktop that I've created. I think we're, I think we've maxed it out. Everything I can get out of it. We need to do that, but we'll save that for another day. Um, well, not only do we get a new Max Matt, but we also got a, a monitoring release. And I know it's not monitoring, it's observability, but this is our wheelhouse. You you <laughs> you throw out observability, you raise money, we're gonna talk about you. This is I've I am required to do it. So Honeycomb has raised fifty million dollars in uh, new funding and they're trying to bring observability to all. So normally it's the part where I'm just like, I'm still not totally sure on like observability, this whole category. Does it really need to exist? So I did some digging, Matt. And I was like, in the, in the press release, they say, they outline some of the things they've been building recently. So one, I want to read for uh, you. And just tell me if it like rings a bell. So one of the things they touted in their release that was uh, released on, this will be October 5th, 2021. Uh, and the company says it's six, old, six years old. So they have released Honeycomb Metrics, our query data API. And an overhaul query builder features the, that modernized legacy approach, uh, legacy applications put more powerful analysis at your fingertips and connect Honeycomb to your daily workloads. So basically what they have uh, added here uh, in October 5th, as six years in the company, they've added export data. That is what they've a- actually added. So yes. I just want to say it always comes home. In fact, they even call it here... Uh, can use the Honeycomb Query Data API to programmatically run queries and retrieve the results and pull query results into any data visualization tool of their choice. I mean, it's just a beautiful data export release. It's just, I mean, it's like playing uh, the hits from, I don't know, 1985, 1995, 2005. You're just like, you need something to do it. You wrap a little query API. You tell everyone they can pull the data out. So, so, Am I missing anything? What is going on? Like, has this not been released now? Like, for like the fiftieth different time, or I don't know, fifty thousand different times. So, my my point is just the same here. It's like it always comes back to export data. And if you don't have that very much right now, get that on your roadmap. Export data. That's all we do, man. <laughs> the other thing that they tout in the uh, 
their press release is that they went all in on open telemetry. So again, if you're familiar with the monitoring space, this is just another version of the whole adapter string, right? Like going out, pulling data in. We've been here a million times, right? So SNMP, WMI, we could go on. We won't. We won't belabor the point. Like there's always a new quote standard. There's always a new way to do the connectors. And so again, that's what's basically been built. So I kind of come back to this whole thing around observability. And I went to the Datadog website afterwards because I was just like, I, I, I want to feel at home. I want to feel, I want to feel with like my people. And Datadog just has all the stuff up there. It's just, they don't even, they just call it modern monitoring, which is great. They have everything listed. They have uh, log traces. This is not an ad for anyone, by the way. I'm just saying. I just was like, I was out there. They have the log tracing. They have the performance metrics. It's just all laid out in the very classic view of monitoring that we've all been familiar with for years, right? And I, I, I find when I go to the Datadog website, I just find some sign of some calmness and some joy. So my question <laughs> to you is, Am I missing out on this observability thing? Like, I feel like even when I really dive, dive into Honeycomb, I feel like this is just the exact same stuff, slightly changed with a little bit marketing message about like, hey, don't just monitor, actually observe the system to figure out if it's running well. But I would call that just basic end user monitoring. Like, it doesn't feel that different to me. What am I missing, Matt? What's going on here? Uh, the fact that that they're they're gathering up all the data and making it easier to query and slice and dice. That's, that's what, uh, to me, that's what makes observability different is your monitoring is still very much just like I'm getting all the metrics and, you know, maybe I have some alerts when things cross certain lines, but when something goes wrong, you're just like, all I got are metrics. And with observability, it's usually you can, <clears throat> drill down into the sources of that and kind of go across different uh, axes of, of, you know, oh, I see this on this metric and it correlates with this over here in this log. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, it's the, uh, the web 2.0 of, of monitoring. So <laughs> it, no, no, it's I definitely, I, I would, yeah, yeah, I yeah. think that's the marketing push, but I'm just like, what, is this different than Datadog? Would Datadog say they do the same thing? I did not see, I can't say I, I look I, at the I, entire website of Datadog, but they don't put observability front and center. They put modern well, monitoring on there. And I'm like, if I gave you one, you could have one or the other, right? I'm going to give you Datadog. I'm going to give you uh, Honeycomb. Like, which do you pick? Well, I'm going to take the one that's public and worth billions of dollars. <laughs> no, but it's like you have to use it. You oh, have to use oh, it. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, no, of course. Like, well, <laughs> hey, in our time machine, we're all going to go back in time. Although, I mean, I did. We tried. I was at a company where we tried to build something like Datadog. We have, even now, thinking back, it's so funny. We thought we were beta, better than Datadog when I was there. Unbelievably naive. Let's say, oh, so maybe I'm just bitter about all of it. But I'm just, but I look at it today, I'm like, wow, man, Datadog has built out the feature set. I think they have pretty much captured you know, kind of the thinking around systems monitoring right now. And I'm just like, if you get, if you ask me, I was like, Hey, which tool am I going to use? I'm going to use Datadog, Right. I mean, that's where I'm going. Like, I'm not, I'm like, you know, honeycomb. I'm like, when people ask me about like, ah, uh, it's like, yeah, I well, hear you. But, uh, I, but I, I would say it's like, I would say like, I've been tricked by this before. I've, I've like, there's always somebody new that's like, Oh, don't look at all. Don't get all this data. Right. We're going to show you just the events that matter. Can't remember what it was called. There's this other company, high performance, Another one that was, that was, this is old school, right? But that was the whole idea is like, hey, we can just predict when you're going to have the outage. Don't get in the data with the data. But then when you're actually on the call, when there's actually the outage and you have to fix stuff, people are like, I want to see the logs. 
pull up this data. Like that seems to be like, there's just no way around it. That is always what they're asking for. So that's why I'm always like, give me my systems management information. Don't give me uh, just some observability stuff that's kind of hiding some stuff from me. So I will say this though. I will invite anybody on here that wants to school me uh, on observability and tell us, uh, tell me why it's great and like what I'm missing. Cause I, sometimes I do, I feel like I'm just missing out on it. So, so we'll see where it goes. All right, Matt. Uh, well, let's see if you'll be neutral on this. I just want to touch on it briefly. Expensify uh, has released their S1 and there is a tech note inside this S1 that I have like, <laughs> I have just never seen anything quite like it. So kudos to the people on Twitter for finding it. I just want to say that they built, they forked uh, SQL Lite, they built their entire database and they outlined in detail like why they did all this. And I think they should be really, uh, the people at A16 should be, Z should be very happy. They seem to build, I don't know if they built their own data centers, but they buy all their own servers. They run all of their own hardware. It's very customized to uh, how, how it works. So they are clearly not using anything in the cloud from what, that's what was my takeaway. So I, I don't know, did you have any reaction to this? I was just more like, and someone else puzzled. said this on Twitter, yeah. we're like, wow, this is a lot to run an expense system, but I guess it's complicated. I don't know. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I just like, when you read through it, you're like, this is, this is unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, I just, I, it just felt like some sort of science experiment gone sideways where <laughs> like, you know, I mean, cause when, when you think about what Expensify does, right. You're like, that's the sort of thing you could ask questions in, in an interview about like, Hey, uh, can you divide, you know, let's, let's make some object oriented stuff here. We'll do some boxes and graphs and, you know, show some inheritance models and, you know, you'll keep your data here and it'll just spread it across. And like, all right, that's pretty straightforward. You know, good, good interview question. And then you read here and you're like custom hardware Paxos, you know, okay, I get the Paxos, whatever, but you know, blockchain and, you know, we needed to fork a database. It's like, Trust me, there were databases you could have used. <laughs> it does feel that way. Well, listen, I'm just going to wish them well. I just, but I, I, I'll say this too. It's like, I mean, I guess if you built it and you're proud of it, put it in your S1. Put I like to S1? see, I no. like to see more of this stuff because I was like, this is pretty detailed. This is pretty. De I mean, they had the whole blockchain thing on there, so they do kind of like you're at a moment. You're like, maybe they went one one uh, piece of jargon too far, like one bu buzzword a little bit too far here. But all just, right, you know, yeah, if you did it. You why, did it. Why is this in your S1? Why, why not just like. And you I know, don't know. That's what I was five. thinking about but, the investment bankers reading this. I'm like, wow. I, I wonder exactly. If you know, you if know what you do? About this? You, you throw it up on GitHub before KubeCon and let people like scratch their head all week about that, right? Instead, it's in your S1 and it's closed source. So people are like, what the hell's going on in there? You know, what are they building in there? <laughs> like, why? What are you doing? Why? You know? All right. <sighs> well, best of luck to Expensify. All right. Final thing I wanted to ask you, Matt, before we wrap up for the week here was, you know, Matt, I know you have not seen it, but we at Software Defined Talk, we have a TikTok account. I've put up exactly oh, yeah. one video. I'm still not sure what to do with it, but I'm, I like TikTok. I'm interested in it, but I have a proposal for you. So there's an article here about productivity software influencers. So it's like people, and you'll see these if you're on TikTok, if I don't know what the, how the algorithm figures out, but they'll show you like tricks to use Excel and things like that. So like some of them are easy, but some of them are actually, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that with a pivot table or you could do that. So Matt, for you, I thought of you. I was like the area that is wide open, I have never seen a video on it yet is an Emacs influencer. And I think you are the person. <laughs> Emacs TikTok? Right? Emacs, TikTok, wide open, my friend, wide Ooh. open, right? Oh my gosh. Where you go through 
and you show, I mean, I think you could show anything. Like, I mean, you know a lot about Emacs. So you could show some real tricks, but I think you could just show like, watch me, watch this voodoo magic for syntax highlighting, adding stuff, checking your mail with Emacs. This is a wide open avenue for you. This could be a six, seven figure type job in the future. You could be the Emacs influencer. And I think, I think you're ready. I think this, this is something I want you to get like one or two figure, right? Like, okay. First off, who's on TikTok? Everyone's, everyone's there. No, there's plenty. Listen, everyone's there. Everything is there. Don't worry. Like there's nothing that's not on TikTok. You would get a big audience. I mean, you have to make good videos, but I think, you know, I think oh, you're capable you of it. Good videos. Emacs, TikTok, it is. All right. So, uh, so I'm just going to throw it out, man. I, I want you in your spare time, which I know you have ton of, tons of time, um, you know, working there at Trigger Mesh. Like, I want you to make us an Emacs uh, influencer video of something. I don't even know what, just some kind of, it's, it, the max is three minutes. There you go. It can't be longer than three minutes. So that kind of gives you. Uh, something that would really blow our minds in Emacs. So, so please do it. We'll put it out there and then everyone can subscribe and they can learn something about Emacs. So make it happen, Matt. (laughs) All right. Well, um, as we wrap up this week, I just want to say a couple of things. One, uh, we had a little listener feedback this week. Want to let you know that uh, InfraCloud is hiring uh, a site reliability engineer, SRE, as they say, and that's over in India. And then James wants you to work at uh, Super, what is it? I can't read it there. Anyway, go check it out. He wants go check he it wants out. you to become a, go uh, go get a Kubernetes job. focused cloud engineer. Don't worry, it's in uh I think I think it's superorbital.io. But I was as I was reading that, I was like, I'm not sure that's that's how you say it. But anyway, those links are right here in the show notes, so you can click on them. And if you want to know more, this is what you gotta do. Go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, click on the Slack, just sign up for Slack. And if you go in there, that's where these jobs are posted. James and, and the team, they'll tell you about these jobs. They can give you probably the details. They'll probably even tell you stuff like, here's kind of what we would pay. Because isn't that like, isn't that the first question everyone wants to know, but is afraid, like you're not allowed to ask in the first 30 seconds. You're like, how much, how much money can I make? So you could probably <laughs> quietly ask that question to these people and then decide if it makes sense uh, for you to do it. And then uh, we do have uh, some conferences coming up here. So Looks like, oh, look at this. We got a Trigger Mesh open source software webinar. Matt, like who would be giving that? Is that on October 28th? Is that, it, is that still happening? It, it's still happening. It's me. I'm going to be talking. More of Matt. That's going to be great. Uh, then yeah. we have the mongodb.local. See what they did there? Always like it. Never gets old. That's in London, though. And that's on uh, 2021, uh, November 9th. So I think that that's going to be like in person so you can actually go there so hopefully people go there and have a good time and then uh the, that conference matt how are we at are we going to get you over here are you coming back are you going to make it you don't have to answer TBD. now we don't know we think we're getting kote i live here so i really don't have an excuse i think it's 20 minutes from um where i'm at so hopefully matt will come over and we can have a little meet up a little software to find time we'll do like a live recording maybe we'll uh buy a couple rounds of drinks. We, you know, we should do something fun. Um, and then of course, if you would like uh, stickers, all you have to do is send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com. And I will be happy to send you a sticker anywhere in the world. And then of course, we're on all the social channels. You, you heard me. So, so if, if uh, TikTok's not your thing, we got it all. We got Twitch, we got Twitter, we got Instagram, we got YouTube. Um, so whatever, hopefully they're fun for you. Now, having said all of that, Matt, what is your recommendation this week? Uh, so, you know, probably content for my TikTok feed. Um, <laughs> uh, I hope, so, I if, hope so if you're if you're using macOS with multiple screens, um, 
And you use uh, the mission control, which is the thing that allows you to put windows between desktops and everything. Um, if you go to the like view uh, view all thing and up at the top, it's got the little micro windows of what's on your desktops. You can drag and drop those between screens. So if you've got something full screen on one, you can drag it to the other one. This blew my mind. It's so awesome. Um, Cause I, you know, when I unplug my laptop, everything goes to the laptop screen. And yep. then when I plug it back into the monitor, there, you know, I need to pull them back over, but I don't have to like unmaximize. I can just drag and drop them across. I, it was just such a nice software touch that I had to share. Nice. Um, and then uh, my other pick is, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I generally play like co-op video games with my uh, with my son, and um, we picked up a game called Gauntlet uh, Slayer Edition. If you remember the two thousand or nineteen ninety five. 1985 gauntlet game or whatever it's it's uh it's that thing brought forward uh-huh. in time i think uh, i think it came out like 2014 anyway it was 4.99 so uh oh really yeah. Yeah. nice 4.99 nice. you had to buy two copies i'm thinking of the arcade one right that's when you're yeah, talking that's about it. right that's, that's it. like that's okay it. yeah all right that's, yeah, that's a long yeah. time yeah i mean it's it's you know obviously updated um you know my oldest son was like well why don't you just play you know diablo and i was like because it's gauntlet right and it's a lot simpler <laughs> but also it's 4.99 so you can't go wrong Co-op four ninety nine. Four ninety nine. All right, that sounds. Those are both good recommendations. I need to. Uh, well, I gotta get my. Uh, I'm gonna have to get another computer so I can play uh, these uh, co-op games. So, huh, somehow that four ninety nine is gonna cost me a thousand dollars. So thanks a lot, Matt. Really appreciate it. <laughs> I think uh, there might be a macOS version. Yeah. Well, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. Well, my recommendations this week are a couple of things. Well, you know, Dune's coming out, and uh, yes. I was gonna try to read the book, but I didn't. I just I couldn't do it, so I failed on that. But I found this other thing that's on Apple TV Plus that I, it's a foundation. It's a new series. And I think it's yeah, like five like episodes. It. Like I like it. I mean, I don't, I think it's sort of like, I think the pitch was probably like, this is game of Thrones, but kind of in space and different things. So I don't think it's on that level, but if you like um, kind of like the sci-fi relatively complicated plot. And also the thing that it does is sort of like kind of traverses lot long t- periods of time. So I think that's kind of, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, Matt, you've recommended, uh, was it three body problem? That's sort of like, kind of not really like this book, but it's, it spans lots of different times. So yeah, I like it. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's like, I don't know how to say it. It's almost like it has an interesting plot, but it isn't, you know, I won't. And I think it's well done, but it isn't sort of like maybe as character driven, but if that's, I, I don't know. I like that. It seems like it's, it's pretty good. So I would check it out. Foundation, uh, sort of like, you know, maybe get, get you prepped for uh, watching Dune which I'm sure we'll uh, we'll have some type of review here in the near future. Yes. And then um, and then I'm just going to be like, you know, the one billionth person to say like Squid Game. I watched it on Netflix. I watched the whole thing. I was like kind of skeptical. The first episode was a little slow, but the rest of it, pretty good. I was actually surprised. And it is, um, you know, it's, uh, I guess, made in, uh, I think it's South Korea is where it came from. So it is dubbed. And that's not something I normally like, but I actually thought it was, pretty good and so there's this weird nugget that i guess squid game has sort of taken over the world so netflix has uh i guess unintentionally released this was leaked somehow it says it has generated 891 million dollars in value so i I don't even i don't even know how you like like come up with that number yeah but yeah but i was like but i I guess many like i guess the thing that's unusual about it is it's kind of a worldwide phenomenon like everyone is watching it in all different languages. So I thought it was good. I don't think I can add anything to it that you probably haven't read online, but it was uh, surprisingly interesting. So I, I would check it out. Um, and so 
with that, if you want to see uh, any of the information uh, that I just talked about, it's all in your show notes. You can also go to softwaredefinedtalk.com slash 325 and you'll see a web page that has all of this information and there you can sign up for our slack sign up for our newsletter subscribe to the podcast i don't know there's almost anything you can do so with that we will talk to you next time bye and, and what, what happens is the tradie rocks up in his ute <laughs> the tradie to, rocks, uh, that's a like uh, a repair person comes in their pickup. Is it would be that be the translation? Oh, 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 wait. How about um, the Sparky rocks up in his Ute and he's got his gear in his boot. <laughs> sparky being a service person, like what's a Sparky? Electrician. Electrician. Okay, a s- electrician comes in his truck with in his, his pickup truck. And what's with the his boot? gear in his trunk? Oh, the trunk is the boot. Yes. Okay. One, two countries divided by one language. That I think we're going to have to add Australia to that uh, famous quote.